0: Hello, American Shoreline Podcast Network listeners, and welcome to another episode of Big Tourism. On this show, we analyze tourism, destination management trends, case studies, and interesting experts, one of which we have on the show today. My name is Erica Sears, and I'm happy to be hosting the show again in 2022 so today's guest has a wealth of knowledge in tourism and sustainability and island nations. So I think our listeners will be very excited. And she comes to us from the Caribbean region. Christine Young is a sustainability practitioner for over 12 years and currently is the managing director of Green Caribe Consulting, an organization that promotes sustainability within the tourism industry and is dedicated to resilience building for small island developing countries. As a sustainability professional, Christine has played an integral role in the industry through her environmental work within the region, including Trinidad and Tobago, Antigua, St. Lucia and Barbados, where she has done projects and extensive capacity building on issues related to environmental certification, waste management, climate change, and general environmental awareness. Just a few of my favorite things. She was previously the group manager of the health, safety, and environmental program at Sandals Resorts International, and she serves on the board of the Caribbean Alliance for Sustainable Tourism, as well as being the co-chairperson for the Jamaica Hotel Sustainability Committee. Wow. In addition to that, her dedication and love for environmental awareness in children has inspired her to publish her first children's book in 2021, Tatiana's Ocean Adventures, a story about a curious little hawksbill turtle that travels the globe. With more than 15 years of experience in hospitality operations, sustainability and health and safety, she has led multiple projects within the international within international organizations such as the ecosystem evaluation assessment, sustainable forestry and
1: artisans project in USAID. Welcome to the show Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erika. And it is a pleasure to be here. Um, We met in 2021 and it's great that we're going through 2022 together. (laughs) So thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Exciting time.
0: Yes, I'm so happy. (laughs) Happy to start off the year with you as my first guest. As you and I have discussed, I have never been to the Caribbean region, although I really want to go, especially during this time of year when in the Pacific Northwest it is terrible weather. Um, but I'm guessing that we have some listeners that have also not had the opportunity to go. So I thought we would start by just sort of talking about the Caribbean in general and really focusing on what sustainable tourism looks like in your region. So um, in, your opin- in your opinion, what does sustainable travel look like in the Caribbean region?
1: Well, in the Caribbean region right now, uh, sustainable tourism is becoming definitely uh, more popular, more top of mind. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Rika, I'm, I'm doing a, a project uh, with the University of Casal. And um, we're looking into reasons why persons are traveling now um, within a pandemic. And what we're realizing is a lot of them want to still socialize. They want to get out of the house. They want to have rest and relaxation. They want to uh, look at new things. And the Caribbean has been um, a destination of their choice for the most part. Um, Also, also, um, in terms of sustainability and uh, looking at environmental issues, we find. Find that especially the millennials are interested in visiting destinations that are more conscious of the environment, of the communities, and so forth. So it's a really exciting time for us as well, um, where we're sort of redefining what tourism is at the moment. And, and you know, it's an exciting time where you know, things uh, in terms of like innovation and whatnot is, is becoming uh, more of a forefront issue. So, yeah, so we're definitely looking at, um, you know, and and hoping we're very hopeful for this exciting time in terms of the change uh, taking place within the region as regards to sustainable tourism.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. I love when it's changing in that direction. And I think that's we're seeing that happen, you know, all over the globe, which is exciting. I'm a millennial, and I look for sustainable destinations. So yes, I am your I'm
1: your visitor. You're going to be coming soon.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm sure, especially after this show today. So, I am curious um, when you when destinations in your region talk about sustainability, are they looking at visitors from certain destinations? Like, are there certain countries where they're like that? That's the sustainable visitor. That's who we want
1: coming here. Right. So we do have um, the main market for the Caribbean is uh, is the UK and the, the US. So we do find that, you know, uh, persons coming in from those countries and also the UK persons coming in from those countries are very sensitized um, because I know that you guys, you know, you're big on things like recycling and so forth. So we find that we're attracting a lot of those visitors as well. And in, the, in redefining what tourism is in the Caribbean, we have been doing, I think, quite a number of establishments and, and, and um, you know, resorts and hotels and so forth are really taking up that whole, you know, mantle of sustainability and consciousness of the environment. And it's becoming more and more um, attractive to the visitors.
0: Yeah, excellent. I think it's always interesting to see, you know, what destinations, what their market is, you know, who they're talking to, who they want to come. So the UK and the US. Um, and so and we've been talking in Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada as well. Yes, for sure. Not, not not to leave out our neighbors to the
1: north, <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> or across the ponds. Yeah. Yes, yes. They are.
0: <laughs> so you've mentioned that you know these things are changing. Sustainability is coming to be like this forefront, and what people are planning for. What millennials? Um, obviously, we've had this pandemic. But what are some of the factors do you think like why is this changing?
1: Right. So I think um, I think over the last two years um, we've seen that there have been more. There has been more of a focus on resilience, on recovery, on reinventing what tourism looks like within the region. There is a greater focus. I think you know in the past it was more or less you know dealing with things after the fact, like you know there was a big focus on recycling and so forth. But now we find that um, there is a focus even within like some of the country plans and all of that um, on the. city economy, on on ensuring that we uh, procure goods that are environmentally friendly, um, on community-based and tourism, uh, community-centered tourism, on, um, you know, equality, um, focuses on, you know, gender, waste management, and reducing carbon footprint, which is, I think, the point at which we met as well, right, <laughs> With the, on the Glasgow uh, Declaration and so forth. So I think, um, as well, the pandemic, uh, there was a I guess there was a, a move towards kind of like, you know, the single use plastic for uh hygiene and sanitary purposes at one point. But um, you know, organizations are, are realizing that, you know, hey, this is this is not the way to go, that we can also just, you know, purchase responsibly as opposed to using, you know, quite a bit of of single use um plastics. And I know that's that that has been a very Um, big discussion as well in light of you know the pandemic
0: yeah and you know i'm curious you know here on the oregon coast um obviously our our beaches and our coastline probably look a lot different than they do in the Caribbean. however we have this big blue ocean and i know that when we were doing all this single-use plastic here because of covid it's like a really like Stark contrast. You see these trash, like these trash cans overflowing with to-go containers, and then you see the ocean in the background. And I'm curious sometimes, like in our coastal destinations, like single-use plastic, it kind of it's like scarier.
1: Right? Yeah, it's really scary, really, really scary. And the whole issue of you know microplastics and the harm that they do to you know just yeah the fish, the small ones, the pelagic fish, you know the fish that we eat, and then also to human health you know, so it's, it's a really big issue. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned as well, you know, beaches and open spaces, cause there's a thrust towards that as well. You know, persons are more interested in doing things like, you know, tours that are out in the open and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I'm more interested in getting in touch with nature in a safe, in a safe manner. So that's another direction that we see tourism heading as well in the Caribbean. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think it's something else that you touched on is climate change and the fact that we just had, you know, COP26 in Glasgow. It was a huge conversation and I think it got a lot of awareness. And I don't have the answer to this, but it would be interesting. I guess we'll have to find a researcher to do this for us um, to see, like to compare a destination's key market. So for you, Canada, UK and U.S., and see how those destinations, those markets are aware or not aware of climate change and like the Glasgow declaration and, and, you know, this conversation at the international about climate change, um, you know, and if those key markets are really aware of that, then of course, they're going to want that when they travel. Um, So that is kind of an interesting thing to think about. And I, I don't know where the US falls in that. And then just another kind of question about sustainable tourism in the Caribbean is, I'm curious in your opinion, and I'm sure this could really change, you know, within your region, depending on the person, but in your opinion, who do you think is responsible for the sustainability of a destination and why?
1: Well, I think um, the sustainability of a, a destination really, you know, lies within that destination. So you have your, you know, your government, your tourism organizations, those are the ones that are, responsible for really marketing that destination, um, the nonprofits, the multi, you know, the different sectors, so the agriculture sector, the health sector. So I think it's, you know, a really a combined effort, um, you know, to ensure that, the, you know, that sustainability is really at the forefront of that destination. And what I think is is important, I mean, of course, with social media and all of that, I think, you know, a lot is is in the hands of, of the person uh, or the teams that are doing the marketing aspect. Aspect of things. Because we know that, you know, a, a good word or a bad word, you know, it spreads really fast nowadays on social media, you know, people just have to come to a destination and snap. And, you know, it's it's across the globe in, in, in seconds and minutes. So, you know, we also have to ensure that we utilize technology to really advance uh, sustainability um, goals and initiatives. So for example, you know, even if a country is doing something, you know, just something as simple as, you know, taking their own, Um, reusable bags and so forth, you know, encouraging guests to do that. I know that, for example, some destinations do volunteerism. So they tell guests in advance, you know, if they're coming over, you know, you have things that you want to let go of, you know, you're doing your spring cleaning and you want to really donate some things to a particular organization. You can be matched up with that even in advance, you know, of coming to the destination. So programs such as those really advance the cause. Um, So I think, yeah, just to answer the question, I think it's a combined effort, but everybody has a different role to play within the entire, um, you know, the entire issue.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's such a sign of when you're talking to like a fellow tourism professional, because like you ask that question, there's like this big like tourist, like they have one answer, you know, they're like tourism, you know, like, like an NGO, like the tourism NGO of the destination. And I'm like, I always think like, oh, that's so nice to have like such a simple, straightforward answer. But like, that's not necessarily it.
1: Yeah, but that's not the reality. And 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 even from the Glasgow Declaration, the point that I had to speak on, which was collaboration, you know, and cooperating and really understanding your role in sustainability. So the role of a nonprofit, and I think I had this, um, you know, that I wanted to, to raise as well, you know, each person has a different, each organization has a different role. So um, it's really just encouraging and empowering and capacity building for that particular entity to understand their role, to know how they can, you know, to maximize the whole function so that we could all meet that end goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just for our listeners that uh, may not know, the Glasgow Declaration is this um, commitment from the international tourism community to really decarbonize our industry and to work together to measure it, to finance it, you know. Um. So, I, if you haven't heard of it and you're like, "Wow, what are these two talking about?" I, you know, I recommend uh, checking out the Glasgow Declaration. We have, I think, I've had at least one episode about it. Um, but really exciting work, and that is what brought Christine and I together. So. Yeah, I yeah, so I agree that sustainability of a destination is is really up to a lot of people. And um I've been watching a few different sort of international nonprofits working in this. And I think one of the interesting things that we don't necessarily do on the Oregon coast is also put that back on locals. Um, like, you're also responsible for this destination. Cause a lot of times it's, lo- you know, locals, and I totally get it. I'm a local too. That's like, this is the problem. And like, you need to fix it. And you need to fix it. And you need to fix it. And it's like, okay, you also need to vote for local government that wants to fix it. Like, you also, you know, like, so, anyways, I love this idea of, you know, the sustainability of a destination is really up to a lot of people. And, I don't know if you've met Marco Lucero with Cuidadores de Destinos, um, but he's done some really cool stuff in his organization in Chile, and they have been bringing kids into the fold. Like, like what do, you, what do you want the future of your destination to look like? And I was like, whoa, that is really interesting because it's really, when we're talking about sustainability, who are we talking about it for? You know, it's not necessarily for our generation. So yeah, some big conversations there. You know, I gave quite the intro. Your bio is super impressive. So I want to dive into your into your expertise really as a sustainability practitioner, which I love that title as well. I think it's very cool. There are four things that have really stood out to me in your bio, and you know, we've discussed some of them offline, and they are really big ones, so I know we don't have enough time to really dive into them, but they are your general environmental awareness environmental certification, waste management, and climate change. And those are all things that our listeners on ASPN are really interested in as well. And so um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, and this is really kind of coming off of this question we just talked about, but when we talk about general environmental awareness, who do you think needs to grow their awareness about the environment and your destination?
1: Okay, all right, great and great question. And yeah, and as a spin off to what we just discussed as well, I think it, it you know it, it really comes down to everybody understanding how it affects them and understanding their interaction with both the environment and and also communities because we have to always remember and be mindful that sustainability has to do with the natural environment yes the flora the fauna biodiversity etc but also with communities and there have been there has been you know a bigger focus um in my opinion at least in our region on community based uh, tourism and also involving communities in different things for example I know in Jamaica. Um, There is a community group that uh, basically does homestays, which is sort of like an Airbnb, but you're hosted by a local. So you get to actually understand how to make Jamaican dishes because you stay with them and you get a little, you know, sort of like a local uh, tour within that community. And you also learn about, you know, the local herbs and spices, maybe if they have something in their backyard, you know. And and I think that this is really great and, and really sustainable because, you know, it's not someone who's having to leave their home. It's, it's you bringing in the tourists, bringing in the visitors into your environment and also, you know, so the community, it's great from the perspective of sustainable tourism and um, and also sustainable livelihoods, right? So it's a win-win situation. So, I think environmentally uh, environmental awareness is is really um dependent on the understanding of the environment and how we each interact so even let's say something like a uh, coral reef it means different things to different stakeholders so a tourist it's you know a place where they want to have an adventure they want to see um it's an attraction for them to a community it is it is their shoreline stability it contributes so if there's no coral reef there it puts their Uh, community at risk, you know, puts the shoreline erosion, et cetera, um, to a local fisherman, for example, that will have implications for their livelihood, you know, so a poor coral reef is going to mean, you know, no fish, um, and it's going to affect their livelihood. And to a teacher, of uh, marine biology, it's their teaching ground. So, you know, I think, um, and, and that was how I wanted to couch it, you know, so that we, we kind of see it through a different lens, but it's still important, um, to everyone, to all of the stakeholders. And it is definitely something that should be high on the agenda, um, for us to ensure that each person understands their role and then collaborates to advance the cause.
0: Yeah. I love, thank you so much. You described that so beautifully. And it really makes me think sometimes, like our role as a destination management organization is to consider all of those different ways that we can be aware of our environment depending on who we are but point that out to the visitor. so like okay this is the importance of the coral reef to you because you know here's all the adventures you can have but like let's connect you with a local you can stay with them and see it through their eyes um there's like this local event going on see it through the community's eyes and i think you know saying earlier like as the aware the woke millennial like that's what i want to do on a trip right like i like i don't need like the disneyland like everything's fine here version like i love like talking to locals and obviously I have a podcast like it's my thing but i think a lot of people feel that way like they want to know why is this important to a kid to a farmer to a teacher to the government so um that, yeah, that's super interesting.
1: Yeah, and and in the research that I conducted as well, um, novelty seeking because I used different models and novelty seeking was one of the big, you know, one of the biggest reasons why people are still traveling because they still want to see. They want to experience something new, like what you said, you know, been there, done that with the whole, you know, going to a beach and so forth. We want to see something new, you know, so we want to spend time with it. There's a Rastafarian community as well in Jamaica. Um, and they also invite persons into that community. So they see a whole, you know, they experience a whole different way of life because they do everything differently. They speak differently. They eat differently. They educate their um, families differently. It's like a whole, you know, they have their own community going, which is completely different from you know just general jamaica you know what i mean so yeah
0: yeah yeah i think it's just a, a, a better way to look at it and it's more holistic and i i feel like here on the coast a lot of times our conversation about around around environmental awareness is like you need to teach the tourist how to behave better when they're here um, and that's totally true right like okay you guys can't be you know i always say in my examples like you can't Rescue a baby seal by putting it in the back of your car. Um, like that's going to be a no go. <laughs> You're not helping at all. But really, you know, we also talking to businesses sometimes, and especially businesses that are around marine reserves, to say, hey, you have this huge asset here, and if you can describe the importance of it to a visitor, it's going to like really really add to their trip and like the value of where they are and their understanding. So it's interesting looking at environmental awareness and like saying, okay, this is one important asset is a rain reserve. This is why it's important to you as a business, you as a tourist, you as local government. Um, and so I think it's like this kind of behind the scenes role that destination management organizations play sometimes.
1: Yeah. I see the environment as really like us understanding it in different layers. You know what I mean? So like on the surface, this is how it looks like, okay, yeah, just a regular beach. And then under that there's, you know, the importance to, you know, to the fish, there's an importance to the community, you know, so we could look at it and we're really at a point where we're digging deeper into those layers, you know? So yeah, it's a fun time. It's, it's exciting times.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, we get to really, we're like detectives and, <laughs> you know, get to put all these different pieces together and like psychologists to like bring that back out to people. So, um, kind of, kind of, kind of connected to environmental awareness is environmental certification. And this is something that always like, there are so many different types of environmental certifications. Like a lot of times people are like, don't even, Don't even worry about it because there's so much like, you know, it just is like this really confusing area to me. And so I'm curious what environmental certification looks like in the Caribbean region, you know, as the hospitality industry sort of have agreed upon standards and, and what a certification looks like or or what does that look like there?
1: Okay, so yeah, and that's a great question. And it's actually a very common question. And I've been getting um, more questions, you know, pertaining to certification as well from, you know, clients and just, you know, just just general, um, you know, because persons want to, you know, really understand what that is about. So first of all, um, in terms of sustainability, there are quite a few that are, are are pretty popular. I mean, I'll just call a few, but there's a there. There are a couple more. Um, the main ones are EarthCheck, Green Globe, uh, Green Key, and then we also have ISO fourteen thousand one. So um, there is a wealth of information out there um, on these various certifications. But I would say, and there's quite, there are quite, quite a few others. But I would say that we have to always be cautious um, when deciding upon you know, which which sustainable um, tourism certification we're going to go for, right? Because it can be confusing. There are a couple of documents which lay out very nicely um, the criteria for each. So, you know, how long it's going to take, um, what is the cost? So, you find out, you know, what fits best for you. So, even at the Caribbean Alliance for Sustainable Tourism, we don't want to dictate and say, well, this one is better than this one, etc. because it's just a matter of what fits better with your organization. So, let's, Say, for example, your organization is very strong on analytics. You know, a program, a certification program such as EarthCheck would be great for that. Now, I would say that the majority of them look at the general areas, which would be waste management, energy conservation, water, uh, community development, etc. Right? Um, biodiversity, waste management, chemicals, um, noise pollution. Those are the essential things, the thematic areas that all of them look at. But you would find, for example, that some may be heavier on the social aspect. Some may be heavier on the health and safety aspect, and some maybe be heavier on the analytics aspect. So you have to, you know, an organization will have to figure out which one fits best, you know, for them because it can be quite confusing. I agree, Arika, um, to, for someone who's not you know, who's not familiar with it. Um, and also one other point with that is that um, you have to ensure each organization, and if anyone is out there listening as well, uh, ensure that it is approved by the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. That's important. So once your program is, uh, the certification program that you're going for is accredited, is recognized by them, then it's a go. Um, but I would encourage pres- to take time out with it, don't let anyone force you into choosing one quickly um, because these are really commitments and it's continuous commitments, not just to get it you know just to say that you have it. Um, there are quite a number of advantages as well. Um, of course, you know the health and well-being of your uh, own staff, your community, you know it shows really good um, social um, corporate responsibility. Um, it has a number of marketing. Uh, benefits as well because you're recognized for these different things whether you know you get a gold star a silver star um you know whatever it is so you know it's really a best fit arica
0: the american shoreline podcast network and coastalnewstoday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering, with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at CoastalNewsToday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Is there a business that you can think of that's done it perfectly? Like they they got their certification, their employees love it, the community loves it, visitors are aware of it. Like, is there an example that you could think of where they've really pulled it off?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Well, for sandals. Well, I'm, I'm actually a green globe auditor and my clients, um, it's worked really well for them. So one of my clients, for example, um, is like the Hyatt and and it's worked really Hyatt and, and Hilton. It's worked really, really well for them. Um, it's, it's easy for them to understand the documentation is, um, I wouldn't say easy, but you know what I mean? Um, it's, 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 it's simple enough for them to put it together, Um, And they, you know, it it has taken a a, a bit of time um, because, for example, Green Globe is very heavy on employee training and interactions in the community and the social aspect, but they've done a great job and they've been very pleased with it, have done it over a number of years. And of course, Sandals, uh, where I was recently employed, um, we, Sandals, had up to uh, nine master certified uh, hotels, uh, which means that over 15 years, they've been certified with EarthCheck, which is quite a long time. <laughs> and then the others, some of the others were um, gold standard certification, which was like nine years, some others five years, etc. depending on when we also purchased the hotels, of course. Um, but, you know, very pleased with that. And, and EarthCheck, as I mentioned, has a strong analytic component, and especially as we're going through things like carbon calculation and offsetting and so forth, um, you know, I think the EarthCheck program really captures quite a bit of that in the analytics. So it's already so you don't then have to go and do an additional program. You can probably build it into your existing program, which would be another great advantage of um, you know of these certification programs. So if there's anything else that you're doing going forward, you would already have that baseline covered. So, I always recommend it for, and it's not just for accommodations; it's also now extended to destinations um it's extended to uh communities it's extended to countries I think uh Dominica is an entire green globe certified destination you know that kind of thing um events so it's 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 been moving around <laughs> businesses you can green any as I told somebody when I was like I can green anything <laughs> you're like.
0: You're like you're like. There's no excuse, everyone. You want a green wedding? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting too thinking about um. You know, we've talked about the visitor being a millennial, but I I believe from at least, and this might be different in the in the Caribbean, but you also have millennial generation and then the next generation as employees, and they do care about that. And so you right know, right now we have this huge workforce shortage in the United States, especially in the hospitality industry. I don't know what that looks like there. But I think sometimes when businesses, you know, maybe they get a certification to start with because they're like, oh, yeah, our customers will love this. But I think that your employees, employees will also be like, yeah, I'm committed to this, this organization, like we're giving back and we're responsible. And that's the kind of organization I want to work for. Do you feel like that's true in the Caribbean as well?
1: I do. I do think that that is true. And I've, I've sat in the position um, in, in my previous role at Sandals where I've hired persons and m- the majority of them would say, you know, I see all the work that Sandals is doing for the community, for the environment, and I want to be a part of this. And that would be like one of the top you know, reasons and and they don't just say it, you know, I do question them. So what are you talking about exactly? (laughs) And they could usually give me, um, you know, one or two um, solid examples um, of, you know, tangible things that, that, you know, that the company has been doing. So I think it is something that's attractive to, um, you know, employees as well. And they take a lot of pride in it, you know, I'm working for this organization, XY organization, and this is what we do. It, and it's a it is a feel good. You feel better and you feel safer as well, you know, because you know that you're working uh, for a company that that really cares. That's not just saying that they care, but also demonstrating year after year that they care.
0: Yeah, I love it. It makes sense. Yeah. Um... So now we've solved the workforce shortage. So (laughs) we'll move on. The, The next topic, which is huge, I understand, but I definitely wanted to at least touch on it, is waste management Um, and so to me the first thing i think of is waste management is um, trash managing the amount of trash we have on the oregon coast but i'm curious what what is waste management what are some of the biggest challenges for that that you're working on in the caribbean
1: yeah so in the caribbean um and it's interesting that you mentioned this because i I did a presentation as well with some students uh from germany a couple weeks ago i think was in december on you know some of the challenges, the waste management challenges that we have in the Caribbean, which which is far and wide. I mean, I'm not sure if it's the same in in, in Canada and in the U.S. But um, in the sense that we have, it's limited space that we have. So quite a number of the landfills are not being run properly. And the ones that are being run properly, or even the ones that are not, are being filled to capacity. So we have, you know, it sort of creates all sorts of issues, health hazards and so forth, you know, cancer, asthma, and and those sort of things are associated with, you know, just improper Um, waste management um, in quite a number of the communities as well. Collection is an issue. And then also just the infrastructure. So, Arika, a lot of our, you know, the islands in the Caribbean, we don't have things like recycle facilities and whatnot. So we have to really try hard to figure out, well, Hmm. how are we going to get these things, you know, sort of off the island and, you know, in a sustainable manner? Because we don't want to just throw it and give it to someone who's going to then do some, you know, some something with it that's not environmentally friendly. So we have to ensure those checks and balances are in place with is which is a challenge on its own because you know you have persons who want to take it because, you know, just to to make some quick money and so forth, so you know that has to be carefully navigated. And one of the other challenges is that it's been difficult for the Caribbean region to really get the attention of persons who want to invest in that type of type of infrastructure because the return on investment is very low. Um, and this is because the amount that we produce is not. Really scalable, so you know we've found that 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 was definitely um, a challenge right so what we have a couple of things that have been done um, within the region to you know to work on that to solve that, and one of them is um is this uh, there's a program called uh, Plastic Waste Recycle um, Plastic Waste Island Free Project? So they've done a lot of things like um, going into the communities, collecting the plastics, and they're also re, um, refurbishing, re, remodeling, um, and recycling the plastics. So they're turning it into furniture, which I thought is really cool. And, um, yeah, so they're doing that. So that that is happening actually in Antigua, sort of, you know, as we speak. Um, there's a nonprofit in Antigua as well called Zero Waste. And then in Jamaica now, uh, there are different types of waste. Well, of course, with the plastic, you have the paper. You also have things like biodiesel, which um, a lot of persons, which persons are investigating now, you know, composting, community composting. Even Sandals had done a couple of projects related to that. Um, I myself was involved in a waste management workshop, which was uh, with the sustainability committee at the Jamaica Hotel Association, as well as Sandals, as well as... Um, so what we did is we invited uh, all the parties, all the stakeholders, so the suppliers, the waste contractors, and so forth. And, you know, we really got to come together to see what could be done we we even invited a uh, recycled artist so he was able to you know meet with some of the hoteliers and say well okay you know and then they met up and um there was a project that even came out from it which is uh, uh um it's a sculpture that they are sinking now. Um, they're supposed to be planning to, you know, sink it as a dive site and so forth. But it's actually made from crushed glass and cement, which is another cool, you know, project. So it's a it's a, it is a big um, challenge within the within the region. But definitely something that I'm seeing some steps being taken, even from a legislative perspective. Quite a number of countries. I know Grenada, Barbados, Jamaica. Um, and uh, Bahamas, for example, have now you know implemented plastic bans and so forth. So you would not see the single use plastics. You would see um, biodegradable material being used and so forth. But it is a huge topic, and I don't think it's it's going to necessarily end here. It's going to be an ongoing thing. And as I mentioned, because it's not attractive to investors and um, cash flow and financial support is 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 on the lower end. It is going to take a lot of creativity, <laughs> but we're getting there.
0: Yeah, and it, and it's such a good example of what we were saying earlier when it comes to the sustainability of a destination. It's really up to a lot of people. And so, talking about waste, you know, you're saying, oh, we met with you know a recycle artist, and we met with this person, and we're trying to figure out the infrastructure. And we've done similar things on the Oregon coast. And I think sometimes people are like, what are you doing here? these meetings you know i'm like this we don't want visitors to see this trash and we know they're contributing to this trash like what can we do like and it's, it's, so complex. Like you can't just put out more dumpsters because there's not enough staff to empty them or the streets are too small. So during peaks, you know, peak season, there's too much traffic, foot traffic to have a truck go through. So you can only go through twice a day. Um, you know, it is so complicated. And I imagine we probably don't have it as bad as like an island destination because we do have a lot of land and a visitor would never see a landfill during their trip here. Um, and if they did, I'd be like, whoa, you really got off the beaten path. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah whereas here in the caribbean it's like you just you know you you're just like okay where did i why there's so many vultures it's like okay we just passed the landfill but yeah that is the caribbean vibes The vultures yeah they signal you know in some cases yeah but of course it's not you know you know in in right, you know, sites or or direct, you know, site of, of, of the, you know, of the tourists, but yeah, but it is something that I think is, it, it would be recognized, um, for the most part, you know, sometimes if, if they really get out and get into, you know, the local communities, but, you know, at the resort level, of course, um, measures are taken, um, such as, you know, providing recycle bins. I know, I know of a couple of resorts that have in-room all, as well, recycle bins. So you have it within the room um, where you could recycle right there, and then the room attendant will pick it up and take it up from there.
0: Does Sandals or other hospitality businesses, have they started, you know, kind of, you know, when you get that email that's like, we're so excited to see you next week on your trip. Like, here's some things you should know. Check-ins at 11 o'clock. Are they also starting to message, like, bring a message recy- like bring a reusable water bottle? Is is there
1: some of that messaging going on? Well, yeah, um, I do know of, of of a couple of resorts actually where uh, that takes place. Um, so I could definitely list one, which is uh, Galibi in 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 Antigua. Um, where I also work. So I was there with that transition where, so there are reusable bottles. So what they do is they have refill stations and you, um, when you check in, you get your bottles. So you get these really cool uh, green bottles. And then what you do is that you just go and you refill it and you actually have these as souvenirs when you leave. The only thing is I don't think the bar, <laughs> I don't think the bartenders like that too much because <laughs> then they come with, instead of these glasses, they're coming with this big flask, <laughs> Oh my gosh! There goes my beverage cost. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, <laughs> you know, no but uh,
1: yeah, yeah. But it works really well, and um, as I mentioned, there are refill stations, so they go and they can fill up ice, fill up water. So it has actually reduced, like, eliminated completely water bottles almost. I mean, you would have guests, of course, you have to have it available, um, but but a significant reduction, as you would as you would see, because I mean, on any one given trip you could have as much as you know 4 to 6 bottles of water within a room per day you know in the resorts that i've looked at um you know just just across the region you know so it's it's a crazy amount <laughs> Yeah, I love it. They're going to have
0: to start getting like 12 ounce water bottles. Like they're like, this is your bar water bottle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is for the bar. <laughs> so please use this one at the bar. The others are yeah. for water. Yeah. 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 But I think that's yeah. so,
0: you know, I think that's that's such a great thing. Like there's no excuse not to do the right thing because we're providing you with a water bottle. And you know, we kind of like one of my coworkers and I have this like slogan we throw back and forth when we're working on these types of projects. Where we're like, "Let's make it easy for the visitor to do the right thing." And so I think is providing those, you know, here's your water bottle, here's how to use it, then it's like, okay, it's really the balls in your court now. Like you can do the right thing. Like there's no excuse. So um, that's a great example.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. And I think more are coming on board. um, But it is a bit cost prohibitive. Because remember, you know, plastics and and, and other things and single use are a lot cheaper. If you're moving into, you know, giving a guest two water bottles in, in, you know, in a day, um, it is going to be a bit more costly. But um, we're getting there.
0: And um, if we think waste management is a huge topic and really complex, let's jump into climate change. (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, as we mentioned, this is kind of what brought us together and we met and um, I think it would it require its own show to really dive into it. But I am curious for people that are listening to kind of understand what – what does the conversation on climate change look like within the tourism industry in the Caribbean right now?
1: Yeah, so so definitely it's it's top of mind for us. Um, there are fortunately, I mean, even though we had you know COP twenty six and Glasgow De- Declaration, you know, which are great, but uh, the truth is that this was this has been a conversation for us for quite some time because unfortunately, uh, smaller islands are you know experience the real hardships associated with climate change, you know, the sea level rise, the coral bleaching because of the warmer waters. And of course, that will affect things like our dive industry, um, affect um, the protection of the shorelines. We have been exposed very much to Um, coastal erosion and so forth. And, and of course, hurricanes, which we never like to talk about, but you know, it's unfortunately a reality, you know, more intense hurricanes and storms and floodings, extremes of weather. I know a couple of years ago, for example, Antigua was experiencing a drought. Now, I always thought that, you know, even from geography, from school, it's like, okay, a drought must mean that everybody is walking around with their tongue out and can't find water. But it seems that that's, you know, that's not really the definition of a drought. So you could actually be in a drought and not really, you know, depending on where you stand, not feel it significantly, but it's just that the amount of water that's, you know, that's, that's being generated, the amount of rain has been significantly reduced for the amount of water that you need, you know, for the country. And I know, for example, Antigua has been in that position more than once within, you know, the last couple of years and so forth, as far as my memory serves me. So, you know, we do experience it. So it is at the top of mind. I think what we're moving towards now, uh, based on, you know, Glasgow and uh, COP26 and so forth, is is more of a commitment um, towards making um, the actions towards uh, climate change, um, uh, mitigation and you know just adaptation really so things like including in policies which is one of the things that the Glasgow was recommended that you include within the sustainability policies and so forth you know messaging about climate change also communication with our guests um, as to what it is that we're doing so for example um, one of the things that I'm working on with uh, with one of my clients is 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 you know having more vegetarian dishes available which can then you know also benefit and you know, the, the whole, um, this climate change agenda, right. Because of course, you know, vegetarian, natural items are, you know, those are going to be easier, um, on, on the climate. So, you know, things like that. Right. Also measuring carbon, yeah, carbon footprint and then climate change related projects. So they're getting more involved in things like coral reef restoration and mangrove rehabilitation, which really do Um, tree planting, which is a big thing as well. So I think they're moving towards that in the region a lot more within the last couple of years. And I think it's nice, too, to like
0: here here are things you can do you know, like when you have like those opportunities to talk with people and you're like, you can do this, you can invest in this, you can work on restoration. And I feel like a lot of times when we have this conversation, people are like, I know it's a big deal, but what can I do? What can I do? It's such a big topic. And um, yeah, it seems and I, intimidating and overwhelming. Right, right. And I'm always like, there's so much we can do, you know, and I think in, on the Oregon coast, the conversation still really around mitigation versus adaptation. And I don't know if that's, Maybe because, we, I mean, we have seen the effects of climate change. We have some of the highest levels of ocean acidification. It's really affected our fishermen for years and our oyster industry. But still, I feel like there's a little bit of conversation like, well, I don't know. What, is it, what does climate change look like? And so it's easier for people to talk about like mitigating it. Like, how can we avoid this? But do you think in the Caribbean, it's really moving towards adaptation? Because it sounds like, you know, you guys have already seen a lot of the impacts
1: yes yes and and also i think that um when they measure the effects that uh, the caribbean even altogether have um on climate change and the amount of you know co2 and, and 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 whatever the emissions our contributions are minuscule you know really really low so i think the focus is really on the adaptation because it's almost as if well you know Um, The larger destinations um, might sometimes contribute a lot, but we feel it, you know, we feel the effects way, way more because, you know, of being small islands, you know, we're in the middle of um, the ocean. So, you know, things like the sea level rise and the hurricanes and whatnot, a lot of the countries in the Caribbean as well are, you know, are flat. Um, you have an Island like, you know, Barbuda, like Barbados, absolutely. I mean, you can stand up and be taller than highest <laughs> <Ice laughs> mountain, you know what I mean? I'm exaggerating, but yeah. you know, it's really just, yeah. And some of them are even below sea level, which I didn't, I had to kind of comfort, like, how could it be? But, but you know, some of them, they're actually below sea level. So you stand up and you kind of, you know, see, see the sea, like almost like it's, you know, from the middle of the Island. So it's, it's a real thing for us and really, really, um, you know has devastated because of course we see islands like barbuda and bahamas you know um in light of like irma and whatnot what you know the the kind of devastation that has been caused i think there's a large focus on um as well the adaptation not that mitigation is going to be ruled out because of course we have to we will try to eliminate and reduce and and count the carbon and so forth but there's a a big you know a, a big focus as well on the adaptation and the, the coral reef restoration and the mangrove rehabilitations are a big, and the tree planting are a really big thing because of course trees are you know carbon sinks, and um, and oh, and the newest thing that's that's on the agenda, and not fully fleshed out, is you know the whole idea of carbon credits, which is a whole contentious issue on its own. You know um, where you know the larger destinations would um, you know let's say it's a factory and you know they're contributing quite a number of emissions so to offset that they would invest in projects you know within the region but as you said that's a whole other yeah <laughs> other it's topic.
0: It has so complicated and the, you know i think too like i'm just thinking of your markets uh you know canada uk us it's like You know, some of your visitors, some of your markets are the ones that are like the worst contributors like the US, you know, I think obviously China and India, maybe that's not your markets, but it is interesting to see how like marketing could change. And of course, we're always kind of following the psychology of visitors because, you know, we want to make sure that our messaging like either results in their action or in their like belief system. But of being like, you know, welcome to the Caribbean, American citizens. Um, You have, you're the reason we're, you're the reason we have sea level rise. So why don't you contribute while you're here? Um, (laughs) It is like a really, you know, but at the same time, it's not like you can say stop coming here because it's so, you know, contributes to the economy. And I know um, that a plow uh, as a destination has been on a lot of our, climate conversations and they're also obviously islands and so they can't rule out airplanes which obviously is a big contributor because they're almost completely you know reliant on tourism and so you know it's so complex um from what i've learned about island nations about saying you know we still need people to travel here and that means flying in here but then what can you do while you're here at the destination what can you contribute to and um i don't know maybe visitors are more likely to to give money or donate or participate in climate
1: projects during their trip than they are maybe waste management. Um. (laughs) No, and I would totally agree with, yeah, yeah, and that's a great point. And that that has been happening. I know quite a number of countries, for example, I know St. Lucia for sure, um, they have, a, it's like an environmental fund or environmental, so, you know, you have an option, you know, you can pay $2 or $6 or whatever, you know, and that will go towards environmental projects. Um, and I suspect obviously some of them will be very much climate change focused. So whether it's mangrove rehabilitation or the coral restoration or what, what have you. So, um, I think that way they could, you know, they would, they would, that would be sort of like a, an, an offset in a way. I have been also doing a lot of reading on, you know, like sort of net zero vacation. So, where you kind of also look at the uh, the scope three effects which is like the effects of suppliers so that's you know there's a whole thrust towards uh purchasing locally as well you know things like the vegetarian things like purchasing locally as opposed to okay you having to you know fly in something or use fuel to bring something to that island you know you're empowering the communities to do it there so i know for example in in, in Antigua again there was uh i know that when the pandemic started there was a thrust to encourage persons to grow, you know, within their backyard because backyard farming is actually a big thing in Antigua. And I, I really like that. I really admire it. And I'm, I'm trying to get some more information on it and get more involved with that. Um, but it's something that has, it has been very beneficial. And yes, while they may not necessarily be able to, you know, sell to a large hotel or something like that, but it comes back to the fact that, you know, it can be uh, a different type of tourism that you're looking at you know community based and also you know that kind of rustic thing where you know a guest can come uh, visit someone's backyard have a nice locally cooked meal and you know that sort of thing so yeah
0: yeah it's, it's interesting to see some of these climate you know tourism solutions and seeing how they're fitting up with how what people want out of their destination and out of their trip now um every time i find that match i'm like look this is what the people want. (laughs) This is what can help the climate. Like the lionfish,
1: like the lionfish, which is not fully, fully climate change, but it's still, you know, an environmental, um, you know, issue, which is, yeah, which is now being switched around to, yeah, delicacy and a whole um, gastronomy. And yeah. Yeah, I I love it. I'd recommend our listeners check out um,
0: the invasive lionfish that a lot of times these different destinations like package up like a trip to go spearfish them and eat them, like eat them to beat them is the hashtag. If you like look that up on Instagram, eat them to beat them. And it's so funny. It's like all these people just like holding up lionfish. Um,
1: (laughs) And they're (laughs) so good. They're so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's, I love that in destination management, looking at how tourism industry and how visitors can contribute to solving some of these, you know, community and destination challenges. So um, well I wanted to just chat briefly before we start wrapping up here about Green Caribe Consulting. This is your business. Um and I was just curious if you could tell us a little bit more about it and what you're looking forward to in 2022.
1: Yeah, so so Green Caribe Consulting was was started in actually 2015. So, um you know, it's a company that's that's based on sustainability and and resilience and and you know, just empowering um uh, persons to, to really deal with environmental issues. Um, so I do different things like, um, you know, training and, and consulting, just empowering persons to understand, where their role is in the environment and um, and in the community as well, and empowering them in different ways. So whether it is um, support with documentation, with audits, with reports, uh, with training, etc. cetera. So, um, and predominantly in, in the Caribbean region, but, you know, at some point, uh, we would definitely love to be expanding to other regions. So, um, and, and then in keeping with all of the thematic areas, so the waste management, biodiversity, and awareness, and um, climate change, and I think supply chain and, and and responsible procurement would be definitely the things that I'm focusing on uh, for 2022. Not just um, you know with the company, but also collaborating with other non-profit groups, other um, other for-profit organizations within the region. So um yeah, definitely looking at some exciting things coming up this year. Um and I think I I sort of I'm one of those persons who thrive on 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 being creative and you know being able to problem solve. So with this pandemic, it just it's not that it's it's not a great issue, or, you know, so it is something terrible, but I think that you know definitely like I've never been happier. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> like, you know, Dr. Evil like, "Okay, great. Now <laughs> the time for my now my creep now people will realize I'm not crazy <laughs> just kidding yeah
0: the, the, you know, like the wheels the wheels and, yeah I and mean, now I'm- was the time
1: no but I think it's just really an exciting time to, you know, where innovation, you know, is just something that we're all looking at because persons have gotten so accustomed to thinking in the box that, you know, a lot of people right now are just kind of off their rockers and just really in a tailspin because they, you know, because they just simply think in the box. And we have the opportunity now to think completely outside the box and, you know, to be rewarded for that as well. So I think it's an exciting time for the company.
0: I agree. That's I you know, I feel the same way just in general on the Oregon coast too, with everything is changed and everyone got a little shaken up and everything you know, nothing was as it's always been and so I feel like there have been a lot of opportunities for creativity and to think differently and and maybe that's why as an industry you know as a tourism industry internationally everyone's like let's re- let's revisit let's reimagine let's you know reengineer tourism because everything's changed like now is the time to do it so it's been an exciting challenging time to be in tourism but i'm glad that you have the perspective that you do and I'm really excited to see the work that you do with supply chains because that is going to require so much creativity and collaboration so um, I know it's one of the hardest conversations we have is that scope three um, with emissions and supply chains is so confusing and daunting Um, so I'm excited to see you do it first.
1: (laughs) Well yeah (laughs) Yeah. at least at least put my foot out there and I'll tell you how it looks. (laughs) come on in the water's fine yeah you know when you stick your toe in it's like okay you know one of the random things i thought about in the pandemic um arika it's like something as simple as i'm like how are these you know like i would walk around thinking like how are the lipstick companies still making money you know because no everybody's (laughs) wearing a mask so i said oh well maybe the eyelash and the eye companies are doing better you know, random <laughs> things like these come into my head, you know. <laughs> totally. I have also thought about the lipstick thing. Um, because
0: you're like, wow, maybe I have to like design a like a see-through mask.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen one. I've seen one. It it looks a little bit odd though. I think they could have done a better job, but I haven't got on to that project yet.
0: The last thing I wanted to touch on, because I think it's so exciting and it's kind of I think it's the perfect bow on top of this um present, which has been your wonderful interview today, is um your new book, Tatiana's Ocean Adventures, Um, and I want to just read this, a couple sentences, um, the summary of it, because I think our listeners will love it. So this book is the first of a series of adventures that Tatiana goes on throughout several regions of the world. Tatiana is a tenacious young turtle who is curious about the world and the environment in which she lives. This book uses narrative writing to teach its readers about the life cycle of a turtle along with the marine environment in which they live. There are several thematic areas including conservation, love for nature, and strength and adversity along the journey. Tatiana visits several tourist destination sites on her adventures, allowing readers to discover new places along with her. The book also subliminally encourages its readers to stay focused and never give up even in the face of danger they should remain positive when going into unknown paths in life i think this is aimed towards children but that is something that adults probably need to hear too right now yes (laughs) you know so i love it can you tell us a little more about you know where the story idea came from and is tatiana based off of you
1: yeah, sort of. And you 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 hit the nail on the head, actually. <laughs> so a couple years ago, you know, it was just, you know, downloaded in my spirit really from the Lord. And, you know, and I just decided to follow through with it. So I actually started the book in like 2019 and then just got stuck. I don't know. Somebody mentioned Reader's Block. So I said, I don't think it was that. It was just being busy. <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, and I came up with this idea and the whole thing behind Tatiana is, yeah, the Tatiana is not is not actually, it's a children's book, but the themes, you know, there the themes are in layers as well. So there's the thematic area of tourism, right? So she's visiting all these different sites, you know, um, and then there is the theme of the environment, right? So the conservation, the life cycle of a turtle. She's also, as she's visiting the different regions, encountering various environmental issues, which will actually be which will be actual issues within that island. So I have met with the Sea Turtle uh, project folks from um, Barbados, from Antigua, to identify some of the island-specific Issues related to turtles, which I thought was really cool because I just don't want it to be generic, as in, okay, you know, just waste along. So we're, if we're identifying a waste management issue or um, an issue with invasive species or sargassum or whatever it is, we're actually going to also identify in a children's, you know, children's for children to understand um you know um those 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 different things and then the third area is you know just covering you know character building traits such as keeping focus, being hopeful being strong etc so um so yeah and I guess the whole you know pandemic kind of also propelled me into just really squeezing out that creativity (laughs) you know because you know it's like when when persons say oh yeah you're also an author and I'm like oh yeah I am an author, <laughs> you know?
0: Yes, you are. And what are some of the, um, so I think you named off a couple of the tourist destinations that she visits. What were they?
1: Yeah, so Barbados, um, definitely Antigua. And the first one was actually, the scene was set in um, St. Vincent the Grenadines, which is the Tobago Keys. So that's where she pushed off from. So the one that's coming out this year, hopefully within a couple of months, would be the one um, in Antigua. And then, yeah, so basically across the region, so same kids to, I'm taking Tatiana, you know, um, across the region, really.
0: <laughs> I love it. I think it's cool. And
1: um, in your opinion, where do children fit into sustainability and responsible tourism? So yeah, so I think I think the children are you know they are definitely the future. So I felt that it was important you know to release this book as well um, because it's you know I have a love for environment, for tourism, and also for children. So in in quite a a bit of uh, my time within sustainability, I've done work with kids. I've had things like um, an eco camp, and you know just really understanding how how their minds work and and how they. Function, you know, has been really interesting, and I think as you, as you mentioned, as your friend, um, did, and I will, I will definitely take a page from his book, you know, to present to them the situation because quite often they have, you know, they have ideas on, 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 you know, some of these solutions and so forth. So even in editing my book you know, my nieces and nephews. (laughs) Hey, guys, (laughs) get to work. (laughs) So um, I think that once there's a participative approach um, with young people, we're we're more likely to, you know, to come up with viable solutions uh, for the environmental issues and whatnot. So it's definitely important to keep them involved and active.
0: And if somebody wants to buy this book, where can they buy it at?
1: So, yeah, so basically, uh, the book is on Amazon. Uh, it is on Amazon. So you just have to, uh, do a a search for Tatiana's ocean adventures and it can be purchased online, um, either through my publisher, who's a knowing spirit based in Miami or, uh, on, on Amazon, uh, straightforward. And, um, yeah, and it's available in hard copy as well as, um, as well as the Kindle version. So yeah. And also, uh, the proceeds of the book, um, because I uh, will be making contributions, um, through an arrangement so it is a part it is a um endorsed by the uh sea turtle by the wider caribbean sea turtle project who is um which is a nonprofit organization that's responsible uh basically for overseeing the sea turtle projects in the entire caribbean region and i think maybe mexico or some of the other islands so it is also going to um support some of their initiatives perfect
0: Um, Yeah, that's great. Uh, We'll wrap it up with that. I think, um, thank you so much for joining us today. We covered so many topics and, you know, it's a new year. It's January, it's 2022. And so I think a lot of our listeners hopefully are feeling excited and inspired for a new year. And today we shared so many actionable items that people can take, whether that is working more collaboratively with people in your community and your destination whether you're a tourism person that needs to reach out to a local government or a policy person that should probably reach out to tourism uh, we've talked about different environmental certifications there's one for everybody out there uh, the glasgow declaration also has a number of different pathways depending on your organization type um waste management and even um, you know a storybook that you can buy for someone in your life that would also contribute to sea turtle conservation. So um, perfect interview to start off the year and thanks again for joining us on the American Shoreline Podcast Network.